theextraordinarychurch.ca podcast, where ordinary people experience extraordinary life in Jesus Christ. You are about to hear a message that will encourage you to become and experience all that Jesus Christ has for you. Are you ready? Open up your Bibles because something extraordinary is about to happen. on your behalf and I give him praise for what we feel in this house today praise God it's already been said but we're super excited we believe we are the perfect church for imperfect people thank you Jordan for declaring we the fastest throwing church in Canada I believe that in Jesus name reaching the world reaching the world and I give God praise for that I want you to get your Bible or your Bible app, if you will. Go ahead and get that phone out, that tablet, so we can get situated. I'm going to invite you to lift that thing on up in the air, and all our dads and all of our father figures, those men in your life, we just say happy Father's Day to you. We have an apple fritter at the conclusion. We want you to enjoy it and all of its calories. I'm just praying, Elder, that you'll enjoy the taste, but no calories. Praise God. I mean, that's what I need in my life. Praise God. So let's go ahead and get that Bible up. This is my Bible. It is the Word of God. I can do what it says I can do. I can be what it says I can be. And I can have what it says I can have. If you believe that, give Him praise. Praise God. Okay. Let's go ahead and jump into Isaiah 38. Praise God. Thank you so much for the uh, kind words to Feek and the entire church and the gift. It's greatly appreciated, and it's a joy and privilege to serve as your pastor. Isaiah 38, 1. I think he's watching, so Pop, if you're watching, I've already talked with you, but I just shout you out anyway. Happy Father's Day. Love you big, and appreciate you. Uh, Isaiah 38. I'm going to read eight verses of Scripture in your hearing today. In those days, Hezekiah was sick and near death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, went to him and said, Thus saith the Lord, set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. Then Hezekiah turned his face toward the wall and prayed to the Lord and said, Remember now, O Lord, I pray, how I have walked before you in truth and with a loyal heart and have done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. And the word of the Lord came to Isaiah saying, 
Go and tell Hezekiah, thus saith the Lord, the God of David your father, I have heard your prayer. I've seen your tears. Surely I will add to your days 15 years. I will deliver you in this city from the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend this city. And this is the sign to you from the Lord that the Lord will do this thing which he has spoken. Behold, I will bring the shadow on the sundial which has gone down with the sun on the sundial of Ahaz 10 degrees backward. So the sun returned 10 degrees on the dial by which it had gone down. And I want to preach this thought to you this afternoon that the Lord has laid on my heart. It's kind of intense. Can I just give you all a warning right now? Praise God. It's kind of like that, that Mother's Day message. You know, we had that Mother's Day message. It was kind of like a Mother's Day message. But praise God. This is, this is for all the parents in the house and for all the father figures and mother figures, granddads, grandmas, mentors. But this is what I want to preach. A father's prayers and his tears. A father's prayers and his tears. Will you help me pray? Father, I'm believing and declaring right now that we're going to see and give us revelation in and through your word, God, that you're going to speak to us and we're going to have revelation and you're going to empower us to have the ability and the authority to intercept the plans of the enemy and stop him dead in his tracks, God. I'm praying for a movement to begin in this house this afternoon, a movement of fathers and mothers and mentors where we will step up to the forefront, God, and lead and serve our families, God. Lead our children and communities, and we'll give you the glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' name. Would you clap your hands unto the Lord? You may be seated in his presence. Praise God. I'm so excited about what God is doing. You've heard me say this before, um, and let me just say again how important. We're so excited. If you don't know, I'm, a, um, I'm relatively proficient in administration. We track every metric conceivable. Since it's Father's Day, why don't you just stick around, praise God, for a little while longer, praise God. I had a friend of mine, he, he pastors in Virginia, and he was talking. He said, you know, this weekend has been every, it's been amazing. He said, this weekend my wife told me it's whatever you want weekend. I said, Daniel, I like that kind of weekend. Praise God. Whatever you want weekend. I know we didn't talk about it, Mia, but at least for a few minutes, just indulge your father for a moment. But you all know uh, uh, I, I love getting into the metrics. And one of the things that uh, we believe about Friends and Family Day is we want to have over 300 people here for the glory of God. And we can do that. We average, for the last four or five weeks, we've averaged about 175. Uh, and I give God praise for that. I'm excited about that. But I want us to blow 300 out of the water for the glory of God. Help us do that in Jesus' name. Don't leave one invitation. Plant those seeds. We're going to have an amazing time. And I'm excited about what God is doing. Last month, we honored our mothers. This month, we honor our fathers. And the two days are so different. This past Mother's Day, do you know how much America spent on Mother's Day? $31.7 billion on Mother's Day. I'm not even going to talk about Father's Day, praise God. A department store facilitated a survey and they said, hey, um, what do you want to get dads? 
And the number one gift, what would you think the number one gift was? A tie. They said, well, what's the second gift? You know what they said? Nothing. You either get a tie or nothing. <laughs> Y'all got to help dad out, praise God. No, that's, that's, it's all right, it's all right. It's all right. You're good now, princess, you're good. Uh, it's okay, it's okay. Because Father's Day is really more about the children who made us fathers. It's really their day. It's really their day. And this message that I'm going to preach today is really the impetus of that statement right there. I want you to let that settle into your spirit. Father's Day is more about the children who made us fathers. It's their day. I love what Susan Solis said when somebody asked the question, who is a dad? She said, and I quote, a dad is someone who wants to catch you before you fall, but instead picks you up, brushes you off, and lets you try again. A dad is someone who wants to keep you from making mistakes, but instead lets you find your own way, even though his heart breaks in silence when you get hurt. A dad is someone who holds you when you cry, scolds you when you break the rules, and shines with pride when you succeed, and has faith in you even when you fail. She said, Dad, you're everything a dad should be, and some more. Today we pay tribute to those men who are everything a dad should be, and some more. Somebody shout your dad out. Let him know you appreciate him. Today, it's a day where we really look to encourage men to step into the calling, to encourage parents to step into the calling God has given you. Can I just tell you, being a man today is no easy task. It's even more difficult, immeasurably difficult, if you're hoping to be a man after God's own heart in the midst of this increasingly uh, godless culture. But the reality of it is God has called us to make an impact. And we don't come or we didn't come to fear this day, but I believe we've come to shape this day. Most men and most fathers dream of being the hero in the movie. We dream of being successful on the job. We dream of being used by God and having a lasting impact upon our families. That's why I love that song, The Blessing, because I don't want just myself to be blessed. I want my seed that follows me to walk in the blessing of the Lord. Praise God. I was thinking about that because my great-great-grandfather was a pastor. and matter of fact, he pastored multiple churches. And I thought to myself, I wonder the prayers my great-great-grandfather was praying. I, I wonder the things that he declared over his life. I wonder how he sought the Lord to see what God could do, not only in his life, but in the life of those that would follow through his seed. Can I tell you, it's not about you and I, but it's about those that God has in trusted to us and our kids. And so I know it might seem like an impossible task to many of the dads in the house today, but can I just encourage you, it requires intentionality. Don't be discouraged, be encouraged, because you can be a man after God's own heart. Praise God. I want you to be encouraged today. I'm not come. I know a lot of times when we come, when we come on Father's Day, we're kind of licking our wounds and we're like, oh, pastor, you know, but not at Extraordinary Church, but it's going to have a little bit of a different twist. This topic will be intense, but I do believe it's going to stretch and encourage the entire family. 
Hezekiah is an interesting individual because he is recorded as one of the kings of Judah who did what was right in the sight of the Lord. This is a rarity at this particular juncture in Scripture because most of the kings of Judah were wicked. As a matter of fact, if you read it, most of them invite sin into the camp. They invite sin amongst the righteous. And there were only a handful in Scripture, Hezekiah being one of them, Jehoshaphat is another who comes to mind, where they did what was right in the sight of the Lord. I just want to just take a note and just pause here for a moment just to remind everybody here and those that are watching online that what we do and how we live is happening in the sight of the Lord. We, can't, we can do what is evil in the sight of the Lord or we can do what is right in the sight of the Lord. When we do what is right in the sight of the Lord, I believe God is pleased and his mercy and grace is poured out upon us and we lay up a good name for ourselves and we have influence and we're in right relationship. But the same can be said if we are doing wrong in the sight of the Lord. If we're doing wrong in the sight of the Lord or evil in the sight of the Lord, we will reap the uh, consequences of those decisions. But I do want to tell you that, you know what, even if you felt like you have spent most of your life doing evil, you can start all over today in Christ. Is anybody thankful for new beginnings? I, I don't know about you, but I don't need just a new beginning a week ago. I need a new beginning every day. I'm thankful for the mercies of God. Had it not been for his grace and his mercy, I would not be here today. I'm thankful for a new beginning. Hezekiah did what was right in the sight of the Lord. However, he doesn't finish as strong as he should have. As a matter of fact, that kind of tells me that it's not about how you start, but it's about how you finish. You might not have gotten off to the start that you wanted to. You might perhaps even be discouraged. You might feel like, ah, I don't know if I'm going to make it. Can I tell you, a righteous man will fall down seven times and get back up. This is not the time to quit. This is not the time to stop. Wipe the sweat off your brow. Lift your hands unto God. Bless him and keep walking forward in faith because you can make it. It's not about how you start. It's about how you finish a thing. And in this particular time, Hezekiah, the Bible tells us in Isaiah 38 and 1, look at this. It says, in those days, Hezekiah was sick and near death. Now, this is a lot right here. I want you to process what's happening. My man is sick and he, he's dying. But if you just flip, context is everything. If this is why I try not to be a fragmentary teacher or preacher, but if you just read what's taking place in 36 and in 37, you'll understand that Syria is getting ready to descend upon Judah and all hell is about to break loose. Now, when you consider this, the Syrian army has sent a messenger to say, hey, I'm going to just show you what he said. Look at Isaiah 37 and verse 10. Watch this. He says, thus you shall speak to Hezekiah, king of Judah, saying, do not let your God in whom you trust deceive you, saying, Jerusalem shall not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. I won't unpack all this. Let me just summarize it and tell you that God took this threat from the king of Syria personally. 
and God promised the prophet or he promised the people of God through the prophet Isaiah that I will protect my people. And while all this is happening, you know what? The threat is looming. Syria has sent the message. My man Hezekiah is dying. He's not just sick. He's near death. People are saying he doesn't have much longer. Even he understands my time is done. And you know what? Jerusalem or Judah is about to be under siege. Have you ever felt like man? If it's not one thing, it's another Thank you for being transparent. If it's not two things, it's three things. If it's not five things, it's ten things. It's like, I can't seem to figure this thing out. This is exactly how Hezekiah felt. You look to the left. Left. There's an enemy. You look to the right. There's an enemy. I got it right. Correct. You look behind you, there's an enemy. You look out front, there's an enemy. And if that's not enough, your own body is writhing in pain and you're sick and dying and you're afflicted and you're just like, man, it's just one thing after another piling upon me. And this is exactly how Hezekiah felt. He's being threatened by the Assyrian army and at the top of these threats, now he's sick, boils are breaking out all over his body. And this is what your Bible says. When Hezekiah was sick, the prophet Isaiah came to him and says, you're not going to survive this. You're going to die. Happy Father's Day. I know y'all like, what is this man preaching? Can you imagine getting that kind of news? I mean, you're like, you're thinking at this point, praise God, the prophet is coming. This thing going to turn around. What does the Lord have to say? Well, maybe he wasn't that excited. Maybe he was like, because he's like, what does God have to say, prophet? And I don't think Isaiah was harsh or callous. He was probably broken. But he was like, it's over, man of God. It's a wrap, king. It's done. It's over. Can you imagine who wants that kind of word? Hezekiah is being surrounded by his enemies. Now he's sick in his body and he's going to die, says the prophet. And what does Hezekiah do when he finds out that he's going to die? The Bible says that he turns his face to the wall and he cried out to God and tears began to stream down his face and he was able to tap into something, something supernatural that was to get him up out of the bed and to get his hands lifted and to get his face to the wall. Why his face to the wall? Because he didn't want any distractions. He wanted to be locked in and even though his body was afflicted, even though he knew things weren't working out like he thought, he said, I'm not going to lay down and quit. Now I'm going to turn my face to the wall. I'm going to seek God. I realize, God, you're my only hope. My hope is in you. You are my strong tower. I'm running to you and I'm safe. If you don't save me, nobody can. If you don't heal me, no one can. If you don't deliver me, no one can. If you don't make a way, no one can. He said, I've got to pray. Got to pray. The word of the Lord is he begin to pray and begin to seek the face of the Lord. The word of the Lord came to him again. And Isaiah said, you know what? The Lord has heard your prayers. And where there was a 
exclamation point. Now there's a comma. Because you thought it was over. But God, who is rich in mercy, oh my God, I'm here to tell somebody, it ain't over until God says it's over. I don't care what the Assyrian army says. I don't care what Babylon says. I don't care what the world says. Let God be true and everybody else a liar. If God didn't say it, it's not over until God says it's over. If you believe that, give him praise. I don't care what the bills say. I don't care what the collection agency says. I don't care what the diagnosis says. I'm here to tell you, let God be true and every man a liar. He can work it out. He can turn it around. He can turn it around, Pastor Barry. If you believe that, give him praise. My God, I feel a little heat on that thing. I'm here to encourage somebody and tell you now is not the time to give up. The word of the Lord will come to you a second time. He will speak to you. He will restore you and redeem you. Woo. So... He says there's an, a comma. Now you got 15 years. Whew. And I just want to encourage somebody that thinks they've blown it. God is able to extend your days. He's able to turn things around for you. Why did God do this? Why did God give him 15 more years? What brought about the change? I want you to look at verses 2 through 5. In Isaiah 38, watch this. Then Hezekiah turned his face toward the wall and prayed to the Lord and said, Remember now, O Lord, I pray, how I have walked before you in truth and with a loyal heart. You got to stick with me here. And have done what is good in your sight. I'm about, to, I'm about to bless somebody. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. And the word of the Lord came to Isaiah saying, Go and tell Hezekiah. That the Lord God of David, your father, I have heard your prayer. I've seen your tears. Surely I will add to your days 15 years. Now, let me just focus on something. Look at, look at what Hezekiah said. Remember now, O Lord, I pray how I have walked before you in truth and with a loyal heart and have done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Now, when the Lord replied, he only alluded to the fact of the prayer and the evidence of his tears. He did not comment on Hezekiah's mistaken reliance on his claim to steadfast action. He didn't respond to Hezekiah's alleged integrity or his wholehearted devotion. It's a measure of the Lord's mercy that he hears prayers even when it rests on false assumptions that you can bargain with God. God have mercy. I'm trying to tell you, the only thing that got a hold of God that day was not that Hezekiah said, I'm in integrity and I've been righteous and I've been faithful and I've been loyal. But I'll tell you what got a hold of God that day. It was some tears and some brokenness that said, God, God, I need you to do it in my life. It was brokenness that got a hold of God, not accomplishments, not credentials. 
Can I tell you, that should encourage somebody because if we change, God will relent the judgment he proposes. You know why he'll do that, Elvis? Because he prefers mercy over judgment. You can't tell me any different. I know my God's track record. Jesus has a track record of forgiving and redeeming the humble, the broken, the contrite in spirit. I'm telling you, he's eager to forgive. He's faithful and he's just to forgive us and cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, Hear me today, Dad. Hear me today, Mom. Whew. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. It's not in, it's not in the accomplishments. It's not in the credentials. It's not in the skill set. It's not in the wisdom. You know what it is? It's in the tears and the brokenness. You want to win the heart of your children again? I'm in the Holy Ghost. You want to win the heart of your children again? It won't be in you sitting them down and lecturing them and reading their rights from A to Z. But it'll be the fact that you'll be willing to get down on your knees, humble yourself and cry and say, forgive me. I'm sorry. I made a mistake. I love you. I'm with you. I need you. Humility. Can I just tell you, humility precedes honor. And we can't get anything done walking around thinking we got chips on our shoulders because we've accomplished this and we got a resume. God doesn't respond to your resume. But he responds to contrition, brokenness. This is why he says he gives grace to the humble. But he resists the proud. He opposes the proud. I don't know about you, but I don't ever want to resist God. It's just like when somebody's being apprehended. We have police officers in here and former police officers. You can get in big trouble when you resist arrest. And that's what happens. Pride. God resists. He won't cooperate with you. He won't. But David said... You know what? My sin is right before me. But according to your loving kindness, blot out my transgressions. Not about my resume, but it's according to your loving kindness, God. It's according to your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions, God. Wash me thoroughly. Cleanse me from my iniquity because I know you can do it. But if I go based upon what I am, and this is where Hezekiah finds himself. This is where a lot of fathers and mothers, we find ourselves. But can I tell you, we need some prayers and we need some tears that will stream down our faces to bring in revival in this day and age. Somebody give him praise. The question is not will God forgive? You know what the question is, Jason? The question is, will we repent? There are a lot of people who want to blame God for not restoring things. But the same people who are blaming them never stop. Never stop doing what they're doing. 
long enough to return unto the Lord. But if we return to the Lord, I like what Acts 3.19 says. Repent, therefore, and be converted. Okay, Bible quiz. That your sins may be blotted out so that the times of refreshing may come from the presence. Whoo, praise God. I'm thankful for that. And by the way, I love the fact that you be quoting that stuff. You don't stop. This is why Jeremiah declared with tears streaming down his face, remember my affliction and roaming, the wormwood and the gall. My soul still remembers and sinks within me. This I recall to my mind. Therefore, I have hope through the Lord's mercies. We are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Not your faithfulness, Hezekiah. Not your faithfulness, Akil Thompson. Great is his faithfulness. Oh, we need to praise him this afternoon. Not because we have our act together, but because his mercy triumphs over judgment. Come on and give him glory. There's got to be some people in this place that are thankful that his mercy trumps your judgment. Hallelujah. God literally turned back time for Hezekiah. That's good news. Whew, he's the only one that can hit the rewind button. Praise God. He's the only one that can make you unrecognizable to your past. He's the only one that can give you a brand new do-over. Turned it around. He can turn it around. And if you did it for Hezekiah Elvis, he can do it for me. If he can do it for me, he can do it for you. And that doesn't mean we, we act foolishly. It's an invitation. It's an opportunity to maximize his mercy. We should never presume that he would do it again. But we should be thankful for the promise that if he did it one time, he can do it again. And I don't have time to read it to you. So Hezekiah is having his own praise party. By the way, you need to be able to have a praise party in your house. I know the band, they'll come and play, praise God. But, you know, you, what you, can you praise them without Pastor Barry at the front at the altar jumping up and down? Because this is what Hezekiah did. I don't have time. You, you can go read it. But he literally pens a psalm, and he writes a song unto the Lord for his goodness and his mercies endureth forever. You got to have some praise in your house, praise God. You need to be able to praise him and just turn up your own music, whether it's, you know, you got to do like Andy. I told my wife, Andy came to, to the park yesterday. He had that Maverick City and Kirk Franklin. Andy was just, Andy was, I said, well, go ahead and praise him. But can you praise him on your own? This is exactly, this is exactly what Hezekiah was doing. He's giving him praise, and God is moving. And you know what? He's, let me tell you why he's so excited. Let me, let me just tell you. He was dead, but now he's alive. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I was dead in my sin, but my Redeemer who knew no sin became sin for me. Picked me up out of my mess, breathed into me his life by filling me with his spirit, washed
worship. Hallelujah. Woo. He's alive, and he's alive for 15 more years. Praise God. So after he writes this psalm and he has this praise party, look at what happens. Isaiah 39, verse 1. At that time, Merodach Baladon, the son of Baladon, king of Babylon. <laughs> Y'all hear Sarah? She said, ooh, praise God. Merodach Baladon, the sons of Baladon, king of Babylon, praise God. Sent letters in the present to Hezekiah. <laughs> she always wilding out. I was doing the most praise God. <laughs> I can see her right now. We're going to be home. Merodach Baladon, the son of Baladon, king of Babylon, praise God. Sent letters in her present to Hezekiah. For he heard that he had been sick and he had recovered. See, when God does a thing, when God does a thing, can, whew, praise God. I could preach that, but I won't. But I'm, and Hezekiah was pleased with them and showed them the house of his treasures, the silver and gold, and the spices and precious ointment, and all his armory and all that was found amongst his treasures. There was nothing in his house or in all his dominion that Hezekiah did not show them. Isaiah 39, 1 through 2. And you're absolutely right, Nate, Rihanna. Hezekiah, who had been given an extension on life, reveals what it looks like when we are not good stewards of God's mercy. This is what kept me up all night last night. Told my wife I was trying to get some sleep. But I couldn't sleep. I was torn, tossed, finally fell asleep around 4 probably this morning. Tossing and turning, walking through the hallways of our house praying. And then it hit me. Can I tell you, Dad? Can I tell you, Mom? Be careful what you let the enemy have access to. Because what he has access to in one season, he will occupy in the next season. I was up hours last night tossing and turning. Be very careful what you allow the enemy to have access to in your home and in your life. Because if you give him access in one season, he's deliberate, he's intentional, and he don't mind waiting. Because he understands if he has a foothold in with He understands if he's got his fingers in your life and in your family, then in just a short little while, it might not happen. Help me, John. And this is what's so interesting to me. Watch this. Whew is that when he showed up, talking about the Babylonians, when they showed up, all five of their brothers, when they showed up, watch what Hezekiah does. The Bible tells us that he showed them the treasure. That's what he says. Showed them the house of his treasures, the silver and the gold. You know what that represents? The blessing. The blessing we were talking about today. Then he shows them the spices and the oil. You know what the oil represents? The anointing. Whew. Somebody, he, he, he showed them the armory, which is his weaponry. 
And when the enemy had access to Hezekiah's stuff, it wasn't that he did something immediately. It's that he went back and began to tell the story of everything that Jerusalem had. And that it was why Babylon was able to attack Jerusalem in a succeeding generation. Why? Because somebody in a previous generation gave the enemy access to a place. Y'all don't hear me this afternoon. The enemy had what he should have never had in the first place because Hezekiah gave him access. Dads, moms, mentors, we got to be the ones waking up in the middle of the night, being stirred by the Holy Ghost, praying in our homes, praying for our children, praying for our kids, praying for our families. You can't have my kids. You can't have my marriage. You can't have access to my family. As a matter of fact, what you need to do is open up the door and tell every foul spirit that is not of God to get up out the house because this is a place where God dwells. You can't have my kids. And let me just help you out right now. I don't care how much the world pressures you. I don't care how much different systems try to tell you what to do. You have one obligation, mom and dad. My loyalties are not to the government. They're not to man. They are to Jesus Christ and him alone. And everybody can have an opinion on how I'm supposed to raise my kids, but I'm raising them to love God. You can't have my babies. And I know they're grown, but I'm talking about the purpose. He didn't just deliver me to deliver me. He didn't just deliver David. David set up his son Solomon. I'm trying to set up a move of God that the next generation can realize for his glory. So what's sad about this is Hezekiah gives them access. And when they needed to, and Babylon was ready, they knew exactly where to go. They knew exactly where everything was. You hear me? I told my wife this today. It's a great software I use, and it blessed me this afternoon. Because study and said, husbands. I said, you know what husbands mean? It derives from the word house band. It's literally a band wrapped around a house that keeps everything together. That's what we are. Dad, don't let this world, see this is the problem today. The world is trying to minimize the role of a dad. But can I tell you, Dad, we need you now more than ever. Men of God, we need you now more than ever. Go ahead and understand that you are the ones that hold everything together. I'm not minimizing Mama. Mama, we celebrated you last month. But Dad, we need you now to step up and be who God has called you to be. Hold this thing together. I'm not talking about being perfect. I'm not talking about having it all together. But I'm talking about letting tears stream down your face and crying out to God. You might not be the son or the grandson or the great-great-grandson of a preacher, but you've got purpose on your life. Let me just say this too. I'm getting ahead of myself, but 
You know what's crazy? It's the prayers and tears that keep us together. Let me just help my men out right now. It is not a sign of weakness to cry. Stop. I know, I know, men, you know, back in the day, you, you suck it up. People tell you don't cry. Listen, let me help you out right now. When you get in the presence of the Lord and you realize who you are and you realize who he is and you stand in the, you stand in the vast, awesome majesty, you let those tears stream down your face, you lift your hands unto God, and you begin. That is not a sign of weakness. It is a sign of strength. Because you know where your strength comes from. Can I tell you, we need more men. I praise God. I believe we're raising them up. But I'm thankful for men of God like Elvis and Pastor Barry, who will be here so slow song, fast song, mid-tempo song, giving God praise. It's not a sign of weakness to praise God. Clap your hands and give him glory. Open up your mouth and shout unto God. You can give God the praise he's due and you're not weak. You are a mighty man of God. Come on and give him glory. Woo, I just need one man to praise him. I just need one man to praise him. I just need one man to give him glory. I just need one man to say, I'm not worried about on my right or on my left, but I'm here to magnify the Lord. Woo. Praise God. It's all it takes. Brokenness. Contrition. That's getting over ourselves. That's why, well, but this is what caught Hezekiah. He was, um, he was bragging. He was feeling himself. He was doing the most. Showing out. Y'all know those folks. Showing out. Just being extra. You just saw right on his forehead, extra. Hezekiah doing the most. Got this letter, feeling himself. He's like, oh, y'all heard Y'all heard about that? Come on. He was flexing. I feel cool when I said that. I know, I know Mia was like, oh, God. Thank you, Andy. Somebody believes in me. Praise God. Praise God. Andy just affirmed me. He said, I am cool. So I received that. Y'all ain't got to receive it. I received it. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. So Hezekiah was feeling himself, and can I tell you, you ain't got to tell everybody everything. Notice, so notice the difference. See, Hezekiah didn't tell them what God had done. They had heard. See, when God doesn't work, but when they heard about it, he wanted to show off like he got something to do with it. He said, oh, come on in. I want to show you all the, the treasure. I want to show you everything. And so he does that, shows them everything operating in the flesh. Can I just tell you, when God doesn't work in your life, and you ain't got to tell everybody. 
He'll get the glory. You ain't got to reveal absolutely everything. Let me just help you out. The Bible tells us that I love what Mary did. She got to a place where, you know what? I think I'm just going to ponder that one right here. Some things you got to learn to keep to yourself. Some things God shares with you ain't for everybody. You know what? You need to beware of people who just always run in their mouth anyway. <laughs> everybody got an opinion about everything, got an answer for everything, but you don't. Let me help somebody right now. I'm just going to bless y'all. If you got people in your life that don't do nothing but this, but you don't see none of this, you don't see, you don't see any of this. You don't see any brokenness and people crying and you don't see people serving, but you hear all you see is this, you better get away from those folks. I'm trying to help you right now. You better get away from those folks and get around some people that are broken. Get around some people who are hurting, who, who, are, who are hurting for others, who are willing to serve and be broken and, and say, God, I need you. So watch this. Here's what's crazy. And I'm getting ready to close. Come on, princess. I got to hurry. Then Isaiah... And just, uh, y'all, the band can come on, but Mia, you just play, just play softly. I'll give y'all the cue when they come on in, in a second, because I want them to hear this. Then Isaiah, look at this. Let me show you Isaiah 39 and 3. We're going to go through verse 8. Then Isaiah the prophet went to King Hezekiah and said to him, what did these men say, and from where did they come to you? So Hezekiah said, they came to me from a far country, from Babylon. I mean, he, <laughs> You can almost hear the arrogance. And he said, what have they seen in your house? So Hezekiah answered, they have seen all that is in my house. There is nothing among whose? My treasures that I have not shown them. Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, hear the word of the Lord of hosts. Behold, the days are coming. When all that is in your house and what your fathers have accumulated until this day shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, says the Lord. And they shall take away some of your sons who will descend from you, whom you will beget, and they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. God. Listen to what Hezekiah said. One of the more damning statements. The word of the Lord which you have spoken is good. For he said, at least there will be peace and truth in my days. What do you mean that's good news? Oh, that's great news. It won't happen to me. What a sick syndrome to be so focused on your own life that in our day we would allow the enemy to have access to places that in the future will become the bondage of our children. The word that Isaiah was giving Hezekiah was not to produce relief, but alarm. Yet Hezekiah was so selfish, he wasn't even concerned about what would happen to his children in their day. 
I don't know about you, but my heart is already broken with what my kids have to deal with. And here's what's crazy. You know what? Hezekiah knew the recipe. What happened, Hezekiah, when the prophet said you're going to die? Oh, God. Oh, God. Ah, uh, you know what? He knew how to pray then. He knew how to get to a place where there were no words. He knew how to get beyond the... It was the moaning. It was the, unutter, it was the unutterable gushings that just flowed. Oh, God. No distractions. But now, when it's his kids, when it's his kids, he doesn't know what to do. He doesn't pray. Instead, he says, what you've spoken is good. At least it will be well with me in my day. I can't understand how Hezekiah could be okay with that. He knew the recipe. Can I tell you, I believe that if he would have responded, I believe if he would have responded and said, hold on, hold on, prophet. Something's not right. I know I gave the enemy access, and I shouldn't have. But I can't, I can't have my kids dealing with this. Give me, give me, hold on, God, God, oh God, don't lay it to their charge, Jesus. Not my foolishness, not what I permitted, God. Have mercy on my children, Lord. Have mercy on this next generation, God. If he would have begun to cry out to God, I believe God would have stepped in. Instead, he was so selfish. He said, it's, it's okay. It's good. Because it'll be okay in my day. Mom, we need your prayers. Dad, we need your prayers. Oh, God, I need some people to pray right now, as a matter of fact. <laughs> Can I tell you? 36 campuses is not about us. It's about, it's about our kids. Big gifts is not about us. It's about our babies. This church is not about us. It's for the next generation. Prayer still works, Dad. Mom, prayer still works. Young people, prayer still works. Tears still work. Brokenness still works. Fasting still works. Humility still works. I'm telling you that revival will hit strong men when we weep. Tears don't indicate weakness. They indicate brokenness. <laughs> and 
And until some of us get broken, we'll never find the strength of God. Oh, I feel the Lord here. God wants to raise up some men and women right now who'll defend their family, who'll defend their faith, who'll defend their future, not in their own strength, not in their own innovation, but let the Lord do the work. Somebody's got to pray at Extraordinary Church. Somebody's got to pray. Somebody's got to turn their face to the wall. Somebody's got to say, what have I let happen? What have I let in? Why have I been so self-absorbed? Somebody's got to pray. Somebody's got to pray. Somebody's got to do like Pastor Barry and turn their face to the wall. Somebody's got to cry out. There's a mama, there's a there's a daddy who knows how to get a hold of God. There's somebody that's got, got to say, no, 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 no. No, it won't be unto me. I'm going to stand in the gap. I'm going to intercede on behalf of my kids. and I'm going to pray. I'm going to engage the throne of heaven. The Holy Ghost is here so strong we get ready to do something I, 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 I greet you all online I bless you thank you so much for being with us have an extraordinary Father's Day come back and be with us next Sunday thanks for listening to our podcast join us next week for another message of hope and life in Jesus if you like what you just heard we hope you'll pass along our web address to all of your friends extraordinarychurch.ca. We are a young church plant with a lot of people living an extraordinary life in Jesus. If you're looking for a way to become better connected to what God is doing, email us info at extraordinarychurch.ca. We'd love to hear from you.